And if and if you have been wounded by believers, by Christians, people that say they love Jesus, but they don't act lovingly, you're not alone. And um, and I want to say that that does not reflect who he is. Yeah. No, we'll always be let down by man. Yeah. But not by God. Yeah. And there's I mean, so much freedom. You'll you you might think you're free in whatever you're battling with in your life right now, but there's there's so much freedom and in the freedom of Jesus. Amen. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome to the Take and Read podcast. Super, super excited. This is episode 25, and uh, we have a distinguished and maybe the most requested guest we've ever had. And no, it's not Granger Smith. (laughs) Are you surprised by that? I'm old news here. Yeah, you are. And by the way, I'm always on episode that ends in uh, five. Yeah, you're yeah. kind of you were the first. Or the five, yeah. And then now you're every 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 fifth one. Yep, you're my fifth rep. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, go ahead to our extinguished our distinguished guest. Extinguished, <laughs> extinguished before she extinguished. even got started. <laughs> uh, so we have Amber with us today. And I am so excited. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm shocked that people have requested me. So. You're not, not shocked. No, I'm not shocked. shocked. <laughs> I'm not shocked. This is going to be epic. It's going to be epic. Well, uh, yes, thank you for joining the Take and Read podcast. If you just found us, man, we've got 24 episodes prior to this that you can jump into because we are we are continuing a journey through the Gospel of Matthew or Mark, not Matthew, and we're only into chapter six. That's where we'll start today, and so we've we've navigated a lot of ground. And so if you're just tuning in, I encourage you to go back and start listening to those earlier episodes so you can kind of track with where we've been uh, because we're, we're simply taking and reading the Bible and wrestling with it. One of the prereqs here is that we don't study it in advance. So the nice thing is you have no preparation to have done. You, you just need to show up. And part of the goal with that is that I want everyone to know that it's as simple as opening the Bible or finding a Bible app, opening up that Bible app, and reading and wrestling with the text. Take and read. That's simply it. And we kind of have uh, some some phases to that. We we look at it first and we ask, okay, what is this saying? Do I understand the words, maybe the context? Maybe there's some crazy things happening that are just really different because we all come from a very Western context, and yet this is an Eastern book. So there's a culture there that's so different. Then we ask, okay, what does this mean? And then we ask that kind of final question, so what? So what do we do about it? We here on this podcast are believers. We believe this to be the divinely inspired word of the one who created the universe and that he has communicated to us and with us. And so we come expectant. We think this is different than every other book. It's not just a collection of nice sayings and precious thoughts. We think it's the communication from the God of the universe. And so if it is, then it should inform and shape the way we live our lives. When we read it, it reads us and it challenges us, and then we respond. So before we jump in, though, with new guests, there's a couple of kind of things we have to cover first. 
uh, a growing question. Um, it has to do with brushing your teeth, and that, but that's uh, that's a sidecar, and I, I mean maybe we'll get into it. And I think I'm losing the battle here. I think I'm getting a lot of input. It's weird that maybe you know I'm in the minority. But before that, what I'd love to know, as you kind of look back on your life, what has been your journey with the Bible? If you recall, like in childhood first exposure to it? What was it like as a kid? And then what does your time in the Word look like now? Okay. So I did not grow up in a Christian home. Um, we went to we went to church, Sunday school, uh, occasionally. It was, was kind of like Christmas, Easter, those, those kind of holidays, and then occasionally on Sundays. But we never brought it back home with us. We never spoke of Jesus in my, in my home. We never really spoke of God in, at my mm-hmm. home. So I didn't know I didn't know Jesus. I knew I knew of God, but I didn't know know Jesus and what He had done for me. Um, so, lived my life without without the Lord. And then when it became cool to go to youth groups and things like that, I went when I was probably twelve to fourteen ish mm-hmm. and got saved at a church camp, but wasn't walking with the Lord. Did you grow up in Texas? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my okay. whole life. All right, was not walking with the Lord. Um, was very lost, you know. Um, I think because I went because I thought it was the cool thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where all my friends were going, so that's where I went. But I didn't receive, I didn't receive the Holy Spirit. I didn't receive Jesus, like I said that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so lived very lost for many, many years up until, gosh, late twenties. Um, the Granger and I got married, and we still weren't attending church together. Um, I think the time that I was ex- that I was I had tried to read the Bible many times. I had tried to open it Genesis one, tried to read it, and I always stopped. I always just thought it was too hard to understand or too too the stories just were too crazy. Which but, is not uncommon. Yeah. I think a lot of people they get started, they get like, All right, I'm gonna do it this time. Yeah. And then they most people kinda of bog down though in Leviticus yep. or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we had started to read devotionals all the time. And we had, we had gone through a loss in 2019. And, and so we just, we immersed ourselves in everything that we could. And one day Granger came to me. I remember I was, I had probably seven devotionals that I would read every single morning. And Granger came to me and he said, you know, we need to just read the Bible. Mm-hmm. He said, we need to put away all these devotionals and just read the word of God. And then from that day I did. And it just has transformed me as a person, um, and us in our, our coupleship and our marriage and our family. Mm-hmm. And it makes me emotional, like thinking what he's done in my life and what he saved me from and what he's still walking us through. So that's yeah. just been my experience, experience with the word. So in a real practical sense, like I've heard from Granger and we've shared what our, our time actually looks like when we sit down, mm-hmm. there's a spot there's a there's a cadence to it. There's a plan. We, this is how it looks. There's coffee involved, mm-hmm. pre-brushing, post-brushing. <laughs> yes. like, so, and and I think a lot of times, most of my guests here are men, mm-hmm. and I think that one of the refreshing things about a perspective like yours, and I had some some of my teammates and ladies on a couple of weeks ago or episodes ago, is understanding from the perspective of a mom. Mm-hmm. How do you fight for the time and the word? And what does that look like for you? Because it's easy for us to go, ah, she's got it. She's got the kids. I'll get this time. But what does that look like for you? It looks very chaotic. Okay. (laughs) As much as I try to 
get up and sit with my cup of coffee, have the word out. There is usually either a baby crawling on my Bible. There is a cat sitting on my Bible. There are kids getting ready for school. I just, I don't get to do what I love that Granger gets to do in the morning. He gets up early. He has this cup of coffee. It's quiet. It just looks different for me. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I, I'm in Bible studies and I just, I just try to make sure that I get in my time whenever I can. Yeah. And that could be right when I wake up, if the kids are still sleeping, that could be as soon as I drop the kids off at school and I put Maverick down for a nap. But my time is usually, his time is all in the same place, the same chair. My time is in my bed at night before I go to bed, okay. um, at the kitchen table in the middle of the day. It is on my phone when I'm rocking Maverick. It's, it's all throughout the day. So I don't have a specific Bible time. So yours is a, I'm going to give up this need for maybe routine, mm-hmm. but I'm going to, I'm going to grab it whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you get to the end of the day and it hasn't happened? A lot. And, and was, how do you wrestle with that sense of, is that a, uh, I, f- I should have gotten it or oh, I, I'm bummed that I didn't get it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, we were just talking about that today because I was saying this morning, I was saying, I love how you can get up and give him your everything first thing in the morning. And I said, sometimes it feels like for me, he gets my leftovers. Mm. And we were talking about that in our, we're studying Elijah right now. And Priscilla Shire was saying that. She was saying, try not to give God just your leftovers because you plan for everything else throughout your day. We should plan for time with the word. And I know, like you said, with a mom, that's hard to do. Let yeah. me jump into and say, this is a season for you right yeah. now. Right. This is a very specific and a very short season with a, an eight-month-old baby that is not sleeping very much and two um, overly demanding um, mama's kids. And this season will pass and then you'll be able to slide back into that routine like you were before. Because when you were pregnant, you did have every morning for the Bible reading. Every single morning you had your routine, uh, usually paralleling what I was doing. And, but when you had the baby, it just changed. So when the baby got you off schedule, um, you became more of a person that just whenever you have time, you do it. Mm -hmm. And I see you um, 99% of the nights, when you're in bed, you're, you have this Bible in your lap and your notepad, mm-hmm. and that's what you're doing. So I, I, I'm trying to uh, give you some grace on when you say you're giving God your leftovers. Yes. He understands yeah. what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, and I had to tell the ladies that at the table last night. It's, it's God sees, God sees what, you're, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. He sees your season of life. Your, your greatest ministry is at home with your children. And that Bible time doesn't have to look like coffee, Bible open, an hour a day. It could be prayer. It could be talking to your kids about the Word. It could be right. listening to worship music. It can be listening to a podcast. Yeah. You know, it's, He sees and like you said, the seasons will change and you will, you will go through different seasons of what your Bible time looks like, but that's where mine is now. And I'm a, I'm a brush coffee brush, by the way. Brush coffee brush. <laughs> so you're, you cover all the bases. <laughs> yeah. Well, I get this picture. Uh, so I don't know if you guys read a lot of Jonathan Edwards, but he was uh, uh, during the Great Awakening in kind of colonial uh, America. He was one of the great spiritual and theological minds ever produced out of the United States, I think. Mm -hmm. Brilliant man. And he is had a profound impact. I mean, there's some cool uh, genealogy studies done that on his, I believe, 12 kids, the the amount of people that are related to Jonathan Edwards just because of their kind of, you know, their lineage going out and the kind of people 
from that lineage that have gone on to do great things. There's just some cool studies. But I say all that because his wife, Sarah, is a very impressive individual. And she gave him the space to do what he was doing by discipling her kids. Mm -hmm. The influence that those children have, I mean, certainly can be related to Jonathan, but it's more profoundly related to Sarah. And she talks about in her biography or a biography that's done about her that her, her daily quiet time, her prayer room, as she called it, was under a blanket in the middle of the living room as kids are running around mm-hmm. around her because she's got 12 kids. Yeah. And Jonathan was off studying. He would come out for just a couple hours a day and spend time with the family. The rest of the time they were with mom. And her time was under a blanket and it was noisy and chaotic and she would get that time with the Lord and then move on. So I, I have this picture of Sarah Edwards as I see you because, <laughs> uh, you know, there's chaos happening, not just in your home, but just your lifestyle and what God has called you guys to. It's There's not a lot of consistency. No three months look the same mm-hmm. ever. Like, And even if it's the same three months this year compared to last year, it's not going to be the same. Everything about what you guys are doing is different. And so... Be encouraged, like the women of faith, like you come from a really cool heritage and I see a picture of that in your life. So thanks for sharing Thank kind you. of that portrait yeah. of how that works for you guys. Um, anything going on in your life, your world? So it's unique that I have two guests and mm-hmm. I have in two different stages of kind of maturity within this podcast, guesthood. So I've got yeah. a rookie yeah, and then I got this seasoned vet. <laughs> Not much has changed since the last time. What was it? Was it episode twenty? Twenty. Not much has changed since twenty. Um, I'm still home, and uh, my morning Bible routine now includes Maverick. He seems to wake up um, around six, six fifteen, something like that, and so that's my time. That's I act like it's a a badge of honor or something, but that's my time to take the pressure off of her. Is that you're a hero? (laughs) Just (laughs) it's terrible. Just laying it down for the team. That that six o'clock hour is that's me and Mav, and um, that has gotten as of I mean because babies change so much, but as of the last few weeks, that's gotten great because now he crawls around now. And he just lays on his back and plays with toys, and um, and so that's our special time. I'm I'm reading, and and then I'm thinking every minute that goes by is another minute of sleep that she Amen. gets. Yeah. So um, so yeah, yeah. You're less scruffy than you were last time. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, you had kind of the the cool beard from like filming or something. Yeah, I've like got to I've got to get that back for you. All right. Hey, last time we mentioned possible, was it gospel album? Maybe worship album. Yeah, we always kind of wrestle with this. People are like, yes, yes, yeah. yes. So just, I'm just putting that back out there. Yeah. I'm just kind of restirring the pot on that. I just, it to me, my answer to that is like it is with any music. When the inspiration or the title comes, I'll write it. Absolutely. Here's here's my thought. So you you alluded to a loss in a season, and the way that the Lord worked in that. I mean, that is, there are other people that have experienced that season that don't, don't quite have a voice to how to express that. Mm. And so I would challenge you. uh, Yeah. I don't know. There's something there. Okay. But I think there's something. I don't disagree at all. So anyway, all that to say, (laughs) yeah, 
Excited to have you guys. So uh, let's let's jump into the Word. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. Uh, I'm in the ESV, English Standard Version. What, what do you guys have? We are too. We are too. Okay. So we have three ESVs. A lot of times people will wonder kind of what translation. Um, I get a lot of emails as of late about best translations, and, and I really don't like that question because the, it de- it depends on what your goal is. There are some translations that are, because all of the, the Bibles we have in English are translations. They're coming from the original languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and they have different philosophies behind them. I think you and I have talked about that mm-hmm. on your podcast here. And so there are going to be some that are, are designed more to kind of just be readable, uh, understandable, kind of in, in general what the gist is of the original language. Some are designed to be ma- way more kind of word for word. Here's what the Greek is. That's what it looks like in English. And so the ESV is a good kind of middle ground to those two philosophies. And so that's why I tend to kind of hang out here. But there's other good translations. Do you guys have any translations that you jump around with besides ESV? that you might say, yeah, check these out. Yeah, and I, I'm going to give another plug like I do always to, to the Logos app. But I have, very quickly, I have a, um, a text comparison page that I have always pulled up on my Logos app. And so if you ever, you, you could pick one and you can go with it. Like I've read the, I've read the complete NIV, which I think is a great version. And if you ever are, maybe you're loving a scripture or you're wrestling with a scripture or you're studying a scripture, I would encourage you to reference other translations of that same scripture. So, so for instance, I have here um, a text comparison pulled up and I was looking, I don't remember why I was looking at second Corinthians one seven. And I think it was because of the post that you did on Instagram that the common thought of God will never give you more than you can handle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this, you know, Second Corinthians one eight kind of debunks yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So Paul says we we're getting off of Mark, but <laughs> for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's ESV. And so then you can go and and you could look at NLT and go, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. And then you can go to the KJV and say, um, we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. The best thing about this text comparison is that ultimately we'll, we'll know it's the same It's the same idea. Yeah, and I think what, what it does for you is it helps you as you look at them in comparison, you start to go, oh, that word's different here mm-hmm. and here and here. A one does it help me get a, a fuller picture of maybe what the idea is here? Or sometimes you can go, well, that seems really different than this one. Mm-hmm. I wonder why they use different words. And it, and it gives you kind of a place to go, okay, if I was going to dive in, I'd probably dive in there and mm-hmm. wonder what's going on here. So, yeah, I highly recommend that, especially if you're wrestling through something, maybe if you're um, studying versus just kind of devotional time. So, yeah. Good call. I always, always, there's one verse that always gets to me that I love the, I love the NIV over the ESV, and it's just a poetic. It's usually just poetic reasons, but I think um, the N, the ESV will say, "Come to me, all you who are um, weary and heavy laden, mm-hmm. or heavy burdened, yeah, heavy burdened," and the and the NIV will say, "All you who are weary and burdened." 
Um, yeah, ESV says heavy laden. Yeah. And I just like the word burdened. Yeah. And, but that's just a poetic reason they mean the same thing. Because you don't, we don't normally go around and go, whoa, I, these groceries are heavy laden upon <laughs> right. my hands. Right. Like we just don't use that yeah. language. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That's the NIV. And I just like that. Yeah. So I encourage people to, to, to float and look through these different translations. And don't ever be such a snob that you think you have to read one. Because yeah. like you said, they're all translated from the Greek and Hebrew. Yeah. None of it, unless you read Greek and Hebrew, it's always yeah. a translation, including the King James. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I think, I think that's a good insight. I do think that, be sure you can trust your Bible. Mm-hmm. You can be trust that what is here represents, just know that there's a, there maybe it was a different goal in mind when they translated it. So, right. Sorry to uh, get you off track here. You're good. Now, Amber, one thing you got to know is Granger and I are, rarely ever without something to say. Okay. So I'm going to do my best to kind of pause. I'm just trying not to interrupt. So, (laughs) but I think you might have to, and and probably all the ladies listening to this podcast are like, Hey boys, stop for a minute (laughs) because we want to hear what Amber has to say. So we're just going to be really good. All right, Granger. Okay. So here we are. Uh, Just so everybody knows, we did uh, spend some time praying uh, before we jumped on the, the episode here. I think, that's a crucial part mm-hmm. of engaging with the scriptures is inviting the Lord and asking for him to reveal because he talks about the fact that he is the one that reveals meaning and truth and sheds a light on things. He illuminates the text to us. So we did that beforehand, and so we we just asked that the Lord would continue to guide us as we read. Here we are, Mark chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 1 through 6. All right, he, Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own household. And he could, not do, he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Okay. So again, our first question what does this say? Are there things that kind of stick out? Do we have a clear picture of the scene? What do you guys see? I'm going to stay quiet just for a second. I mean, I see them. I see them looking at him like we know him. How, who, who does he think he is? Coming back, we, we, we saw him grow up. We know his family. We know, we, we watched him being raised. Like he's a local boy. He's a local yeah. Now all of a sudden he's he's coming back and he's doing these miraculous things. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's that's a that's a good catch. He's in his hometown, so he's been away for a while. So he's kind of been doing some things, but we know that at, he's taught other places and when he's taught, they go, "Whoa, he's different." Mm. He teaches like one who has authority, not like the scribes. Um and so now he's home. It's interesting that he gets invited to teach in the synagogue. 
That's not something that's offered to everybody. So maybe there was a sense of his his notoriety, that his reputation, and they're like, hey, we're, we hear that he's, he's kind of a big deal. There's a lot of people following him. We'll give him the mic. We'll see what happens. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, the, I love this this little block here um, because we get we get a real look into the the hundred percent human that Jesus was hundred percent mm-hmm. human hundred percent God, and we get a really good glimpse of the human side of him, and we know that he didn't he didn't start performing his miracles until it was his time. Mm-hmm. So that also leads us to think that you know he was twenty two, twenty three years old, and living a very normal, humble life, mm-hmm. which is one of the most fascinating things about Jesus is that he came as a king that lived a humble mm-hmm. life as a carpenter and fulfilling the Isaiah scroll of he will be the stone that's rejected. Mm-hmm. And here he is fulfilling this proper prophecy and he's rejected in his hometown. And there's there's one piece of this that is just so fascinating to me. Well, besides the fact that Mark says he could do no mighty work there except laid his hand on a few sick no, people. He and diminishes. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, he's gonna, he healed people with his hands? Yeah, he's going to do not... some healings. Uh, <laughs> a few sick people healed. That's about it, though. We would go, that's pretty significant. Yeah. But the pe- the one line that, re- that really gets me every time I read this is he marveled because of their unbelief. And then we think... We think of almighty, sovereign, all-knowing God marveling at someone's unbelief. At a lack of faith. At a lack of faith. And once again, revealing the, the human side of him. Um, but also, it's, it's, very, it's a very interesting idea. Yeah. Um, this isn't... I, so we don't necessarily see an interaction with his family. We see reference to his family here. There previous in this gospel there are, has been an encounter where his family has actually tried to stop him from teaching at one point because they were concerned for him because people thought he was insane mm-hmm. and so there it's interesting that as his family is probably away from here seeing him and following him there's this kind of concern and he kind of rejects them and says no the people here this is my true family those that are not of faith, they're not my family. And those who are of faith, those are my real people. Mm-hmm. And that was right after he had called the 12 to him, and he kind mm-hmm. of sectioned out the 12 apostles and said, these are my peeps, okay? So we have that reference to the family here, although they're not present that we know of. They're just referenced. Uh, so he's in his hometown. It's the Sabbath. So it's he's, he's at synagogue, just like he would have been all growing up. Mm-hmm. been a very kind of common practice. And like, to your point, he had up until now kind of held everything back. There was an appointed time when this, this thing would kick off. We do have that one episode when he was around 12, he's, he's in the, you know, at the temple and he's like teaching them and he's kind of, but we don't necessarily, at least from this passage, get the sense that that was the every, every Sabbath kind of event. We, we get the sense that maybe he he just kind of sat in the back row and kept his mouth shut, right? And he definitely wasn't healing anybody right. before this time. Right. I was reading about that earlier. I don't know which part it was in, and I think it's in Mark, but it says his time was fulfilled. And mm-hmm. I always like to look up other synonyms for fulfilled, and it just meant it just means that it was it was ready. He was ready, it was prepared for him. His time had been prepared for him. So 
something else that I notice here. He's referenced as the son of Mary. Yes. In a Jewish Hebrew context, you weren't ever kind of identified by the your mother's lineage. Mm-hmm. You were always identified by your father's yes. lineage. He he will be called the son of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the son of Mary, this is the only occurrence in the New Testament, which is interesting. Yeah. So there's some reference here to Mary and then... and. That may indicate that maybe Joseph wasn't alive anymore, and so his only surviving relative, but we, we don't know why this reference to Mary, and, and maybe it was known, we, I guess, clearly it was known to Mark that he wasn't actually Joseph's boy, and maybe it was known to the community, because they're the ones that reference him as the son of Mary, the brother of this, you know, these other siblings. A lot of times we, we understand, too, that, that Mark and Luke as well, and probably John got a lot of their resources from Mary herself. Mm-hmm. A lot of these stories, only Mary would have known. Right. Uh, you know, the birth of Christ right. was only known by one person that was alive during Mark and Luke's time. Yeah. It was Mary. Yeah. That's a good point. All right. Anything else that we see here that we go, okay, I think, yeah, clarity on that would help us understand the picture better, or do we kind of understand... The snapshot here. They took offense at him mm. is another uh, s- something that was prophesied. And then and Jesus goes into detail later in all four Gospels about um, they, they're supposed to take offense to him. Well, and, and I think sometimes we, it's obviously we need to be careful when we try to relate ourselves to Jesus. But I think it's very easy oftentimes to relate myself to the other sinners in the story. Mm-hmm. And have you ever had an experience like that where there's somebody you knew that now you saw them as kind of presuming to be something more than you're like, I know who they really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't try to. And the, there's an like, I feel like there's maybe some of that attitude because I have felt that. Yeah. When I've known somebody and they're trying to be something I know they're not, I'm irritated with them. And I'm like, are you kidding? And I usually try to find somebody to go, I knew them actually before, and that's not them. Like, yeah. And that's not necessarily right of me. And so is there something that of that here? And why is it a fence? Why isn't it just like, oh, well, whatever. Were we talking about this yesterday? What was that from? I already forgot. Well, I was just... What, were we, what did we reference yesterday with this? I'm not sure about in the scriptures, but... No, um, something that happened in our life um, on social media. I don't remember. I'm uh, pro- I was probably going a different direction than you. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I, I'm sure that I felt that about other people as well, but I think, and I don't want to turn this to me, but I, I feel like people can think that about me hmm. now and in my faith journey now and, and where I am and how different, I mean, we're a new creation in Christ and how different I am than who I was. And, yeah. and a lot of people, I think I've seen a meme before that says there are people right now talking about who you used to be because they don't have access to who you are now. Hmm. And so I think some people might think that about me oh. and about when I was so far from the Lord, thinking, who does she think she is? Now she's, now she's preaching the gospel. I know who she was. I know what, she, I know what she's done. Yeah. You know, it's like, I feel like, they, I feel like they're doing that to, to him. Not that he's done anything. I mean, he wasn't a sinner, but like, we know, we know his family. We know him. Like, now who mm-hmm. does he think he is coming in here performing these miracles? Yeah. There's... And and that's funny because that's that's the 
the gap of who we were and mm-hmm. who we are, like, and the transformation that's mm-hmm. occurred because of the gospel, like, that's where God does his work. That, yeah, that's that's the when the people go, there's nothing that can, can explain that transition mm-hmm. other than Jesus. Mm-hmm. You look at Paul, people probably watching him going, what, what, what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, this is maybe the long game, and he's just stringing all these suckers along, and then he's going to just, he'll have like thousands of them. He's been trying to go from synagogue. No, but um, it's that, yeah, it's the it's the gap or that transition that that's where the power of the gospel resides. Mm-hmm. The, the word offense is interesting, too, because, and Jesus said that this would happen, but if you think about other things in life that would have been similar, for instance, somebody in Argentina starts walking around saying they're the Easter bunny and people start following them. We don't look at that and take offense to that. We just say, wow, that guy's loony. Yeah, exactly. And those people following are crazy yes. and we move on, but we don't get mad at it. Yeah. But it's interesting that still today this happens with the gospel and I see people on social media come at me and, and they'll want to just... They'll want to really get upset that how dare would I, would I say these lies and pull people along with me. But if I said I'm the Easter Bunny, they would just say, I'm going to unfollow that guy. He's a little crazy. Yeah. So what do you think? Let's, let's camp out there because I think there's something to that and why this is included in the gospel. I think there's, there's a reason it's here. He's been traveling all over, and he's offended people before for very different reasons. Notice that it's not the content of his teaching, mm-hmm. and it's not even his activity, because can't be. They he know was... that he's been teaching. They know that he's been performing miracles. They they identify that, and they're like, "Where did this man get these things?" So, there. What is it about in his hometown, the people he grew up with, that see the local boy, and are offended? What do you think that's about versus he's traveling all over the place and people don't know his history, didn't see him when he was 11 years old or, you know, five years old or whatever, don't know his siblings, and in droves, they're coming. They hear about what he can do, what he can teach, and they come. Here, they're like, we've heard he can do these things. Where did he get this stuff? There's a familiarity they have, and I think there's something to that. What do you guys see there? Anything? Well, one word that just pop, that just came to me was conviction. Maybe they're feeling a sense of this is a little too close to home. Maybe they're start. Maybe they they don't want to feel conviction of what he may be coming to teach in their own hearts, mm. and that's why they're offended by it. Um, that's just what was placed on me yeah, just now. Yeah, yeah. Saying uh, to to pivot off that, it's 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 just a manifestation of the flesh um, struggling to come out because we're prisoners of this world. Until we until we find yeah. the gospel, and so yeah. that sometimes it doesn't even have to be consciously understood why we are rejecting or revolting or being offended by something, but we are creatures of this earth, and our flesh revolts against that conviction yeah. that you're talking it's about. Just something is stirring in their spirit, and it's they're not liking yeah. it. And I think, um, yeah, you said something, Granger, at the front end of this that here they are. They're seeing this happen. They have this response. They're offended by him. And then he could do no mighty works there, except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So there is an, there is an offense taken to who he is and what he says. 
they're offended, and that is a barrier to belief for them. They mm-hmm. can't believe because of that offense. And so there's something about their familiarity with him in the early days, in the upbringing. Maybe they're like jealous because none of them got out of hometown. Mm-hmm. They're all stuck there. Who knows? But he, there's something about the offense that then bars them from faith. Mm. And I wonder if there's something in the significance, like the, that's what, if, as we explore the meaning here for these people in this context, the way we experience that meaning is what is significant for us. And is there something about familiarity to Christianity, to Jesus, to even some of our own stories having been around church for so long, but not really following Christ, where we're familiar with him, we're around Christians, and there's this, we see other people that, man, now have this on fire for the Lord and this, maybe this intimate experience with the Lord that just transforms them. And there's a jealousy, mm-hmm. there's a frustration because we haven't had that. And now there's an offense and now there's like a, well, I'm going to go the other way. And I, that, that, that's fake. I can't mm-hmm. believe in that work of the Lord because I didn't experience it. And so I don't know. What do you, how does this, yeah, bounce off you guys? This, this is happening at the, the rawest time of Christianity. And the reason I say that is because now we're, we're so doused in, in hypocrisy of the Christian church and the Christian church caused wars in the, in the crusades, which is not, not true. Right. But there's a whole stigma that comes along with it. Now we divide the culture, you know. We go against the the free movement. But back back then, all he was doing was healing people, yeah, and and preaching forgiveness and, and peace releasing and love. them from demonic <laughs> oppression. And yes. he was making life happen. Yeah, he wasn't destructive. He was releasing life. So as you know, as the Bible says, if that happened when the vine was green. Yeah. And and imagine what's going to happen now and we see it today. So so yeah, it happened right then when when there was no hypocrisy in the faith at all that anyone saw from the outside looking mm-hmm. in. And and we just see that and go, yeah. They took offense then. Of course they're going to take offense now. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Any thoughts on that idea of familiarity possibly breeding offense at what the Lord is doing, which is a barrier to faith. I think I agree with you that that there could be a sense of jealousy from them. Um, I also feel that we're just born sinners yeah. and that that offense is just in us. And it is a barrier. It is a barrier to their faith, but that the enemy is alive and well and could have been working in their hearts to for them to have offense at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, when we start to wrestle with the significance and the so what— there's clearly an emphasis here on the fact that he marvels at their unbelief. Mm-hmm. That unbelief is related to the limitations on his performing of miracles. So his works of faith. And the previous passage at the end of five, and in this previous episode on this podcast, we talked about Jairus, who's the synagogue ruler, his daughter's sick. Immediately, he falls at Jesus' feet. He's like, you got to come. She's she's near death. Please come help her. He's like, all right, I'll go. 
On his way there, he's working his way through a crowd. People are pressing up against him. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years by faith reaches out, touches the garment. He feels power go out from him. So he doesn't initiate a healing. She initiates by faith. He can do this. Power goes out. He stops. He, he's like, who, who did that? And she's afraid now. She's like, I know what I've done. Okay. Her fear may have been related to she violated uh, custom. She made him unclean. Like there's all kinds of potential repercussions because of who she was and what she'd done by touching him. And he says, your faith made you clean. Mm-hmm. It was your faith. And then he tells the Jairus after everyone's like, he gets to the daughter. Everyone's there weeping and wailing. And they're like, oh, she's dead. Don't bother. Don't bother the teacher now. And he tells Jairus, don't fear, but believe. Mm. Don't let that barrier to faith, fear, stop you because I'm going to show you why. So he goes in, lays hands. She, she comes alive. Mm-hmm. Then in this next passage, he's in hometown, he's teaching, and there's this barrier to faith. Oh, we know this guy. This is Mary's, Mary's boy. It's old Joseph's bro. Yeah, we used to throw rocks at that kid. What's going on here? Where did he get this stuff? How can he do that? What's going on here? Ah, man, that's it. He's, what a jerk. Like, whatever, whatever offense looks like then. And then they, he's like, I cannot even, like, that's, okay, the saying's true. Prophet's not without honor his hometown. All right, you're healed. You're healed. <laughs> man, I can't believe these people. I can't believe it. And he's marveling at this. And it's because of their unbelief that he's not. So in that, I stand back and go, I want to be careful with this, but there is something about our faith that activates the power of God in our life. And God's, I don't know if it's his willingness or his actively doing things, in our life and experience is going to be directly related to our faith. Obviously, there's times when he shows up and we're like, wow, I didn't Mm. see that coming. But when it regards our willingness to have confidence in him or not, that will be the difference maker. And in both circumstances, there are barriers to faith that people either overcome or don't. And I think that's the—when I'm wrestling with this right now, I'm going, okay— what are my barriers on the daily? Like I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but there are still times when I'm like in the subconscious, I'm like, I don't, man, I didn't really believe God would do yeah. that. Can you, you guys wrestle with any of that? I do in my, in my prayer life. I wrestle with not being bold enough in mm. my prayers because I, it's, I wrestle with, do I believe God can do it? Yes. But am I, am I asking too much? Or I wrestle with, I need to just pray for God's will. So there's that line of asking and believing that God can do what he says he's going to do, but then also, but Lord, your will be done. Yeah, the hedging your bet, right? You're like, I really want this, yeah. but if you don't, I'm cool. Yeah. I don't want to, it's like, <laughs> I don't want to ask too much God, but I know you can do it. But then do I really know he can do it if I'm not right. being bold about it? So I wrestle with my boldness in my, in my prayer life. If we rewind to chapter four of the same book, it's they're on the boat. Mm-hmm. The storm comes. Yep. 
Jesus awoke, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Mm-hmm. But you know what they did? They were filled, they were filled with great fear. Yeah, That's what the next line says. They're terrified. They're he like, says, Why are you so afraid? Have you no faith? And then the next line, And they were filled with great fear. <laughs> Maybe they're like, whoa, he can read our minds too. Oh my goodness. Who is this This who calms the wind and the waves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, We see, I'm trying to work in real time here. Um, You guys are witnessing Granger just working the iPad. (laughs) Okay. Check this out. Romans four. We're going to be talking about Abraham. Paul's talking about Abraham. Right. He grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Abraham grew strong as he gave glory to God, grew strong in the faith. Yep. And so you could say a lack of giving glory results in a lack of faith mm-hmm. or a diminished faith. Yeah. So what's, I think what some people, like we had talked about hedging our bets in a prayer, like, please heal so-and-so's grandma. Yeah. But your will be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're, we say that because we're like, because if it doesn't happen, I don't want to paint God into a corner that he gets stuck in, and if he can't get out of it, now it looks like he's right. not capable. And I don't want people around me to go, whoop, your God didn't show up there. Yeah. I guess he can't. So we're like, I'm going to, God, do this, but I'm going to give you that exit clause, and if you don't, we're cool. And I think the difference is presuming upon the Lord and just having absolute confidence, not only in what he can do, but his character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do we how do we wrestle with that tension of presuming that he should do something versus I'm confident, man, I'm just absolutely confident in his character and his will, his ability, his timing. It's yeah. all perfect. I think we start with, and I like to say this a lot, you, you don't have to be fully convicted in your heart to still give glory with your mouth. And, and I think we have to remind ourselves, and once again, Romans 4, he, gave, he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had planned. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. So it's this idea that the child's sick and you're praying, heal this child, but your will be done. But the correct, the correct prayer is more like, God, you always fulfill your promises. Mm-hmm. I believe that. You have a purpose and a plan, and you will execute this plan perfectly. And I believe you, and I will trust, although I don't know that plan, I will trust that it will be fulfilled for your glory. Amen. And I give you glory to that. Mm-hmm. That's better than saying... Heal, or if not, cool. So articulate what the difference is in how you, those two prayers. Like identify that for folks. We want, our flesh wants healing now. Yep. We can't deny that. And in fact, we, in fact, I like to tell God, God, you know my heart. You know me. You know I want a healing right now. But I know from you and your word that your promise is much greater than my understanding of the result of this current situation. Mm -hmm. And so I could say that using the backbone of the word that I've read 
and and the the vast picture of his glory and the the story that he has built over thousands of years i know as that backbone that he completes his promise and never stops doing that right i want what's here and right now and and we don't have to deny that god you know what I, you know what i want but i'm telling you through the word that i've learned that what I want is not as important as your glory being fulfilled in this purpose, yep. whatever that result might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like it's the difference between having an outcome that I think is best versus experiencing the Lord's work and seeing his will play out and believing that to be the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's kind of yeah. what I surmise. Yeah. In, any thoughts? Same. And then, and then just like praying for the strength in whatever the outcome is that mm-hmm. Lord, your, your word says you are my peace. You are my strength. You are my hope. So fill me with that as your will be done for your glory, mm-hmm. my good and your glory. Yeah. Um, there are certainly instances in prayer where as people appeal to the Lord, he, it either appears that he changes or he acts. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, prayer is an activity, a gift that he's given us that helps us align ourselves with him. Mm. And it, it, it's actually a, a shaping of our will to his, bending mm-hmm. and submitting. And it's a, a, something that shapes us and changes us mm. more than it changes and directs him. Mm-hmm. And so, man, this has been really good. <laughs> this is really good. So I look forward to the next time, the next episode. But before we break here, what you you have this these short six verses? What's a takeaway that you go, man? I need to live in light of this truth today. This is an, an a significant kind of walk away, a takeaway. I think the the verse that stands out to me is, and he marveled because of their unbelief. I think so many times, even as seasoned believers, we can forget what God has already done, what God has already brought us through, mm. what God has already saved us from. We forget who he is, who his character, what is, you know, what he wants to do in our lives. And I just feel sometimes that we can, he can be looking at, looking at us going, do you not see what I've already done? Right. Why do you, how do you forget so easily for you forget? Oh, ye of little faith. And so I think that is my takeaway. I don't want him to ever marvel mm. at my unbelief. Mm. Not that I would not, I mean, I'm a believer full heartedly, but there are times you might have seasons of doubt and seasons of worry and we can't forget what he's already done. Yeah. We can't forget. And That's that he's already won. Yeah. Amen. He has already won. Granger. Oh yeah. I, I can't say anything better than that. Um, I can't, on a, on a small side note, I can say that when me and the band go to like Michigan, we are the band from Texas coming in and bringing country music our way and people love it. But when we play Texas, it's like, ah, I mean, it's just <laughs> I was going to say just that. Granger, right? <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Nobody comes. I have felt that my whole career. Yeah. You mean Granger, the guy that lives in Georgetown? Yeah. I've seen him in H-E-B. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. The fam- you experience the familiarity yeah. in a similar way. Yeah, I think uh, this recognizing my barrier may look like this, or I may have a kind of a proclivity towards other barriers that stand between me and that full, just unhindered faith mm-hmm. in 
and the will and character of God. And it's not, like you said, it's not a conscious, well, I don't think God can do it. Mm-hmm. It's it's this, this subtle me kind of not even aware that I'm hedging my bets in a prayer or I'm trying to kind of manage expectations of people around me as to what God can do and and not approaching it similar to what you said where there's no perceived outcome that I have that I think is somehow better than whatever he's got planned. And so I'm good with how this plays out. And I think that that's, I want to be mindful and warned of those potential barriers in my life. Yeah. I think we can try to protect our heart instead of just giving him hands open our full, yeah. our full heart and full trust. Yeah. I'll say any, anybody listening to this podcast today, um, as we've talked about kind of these concepts of fear faith, barriers, who Jesus is, the joy that comes. There are three people on this podcast that sit here and tell you our life was one way and now it's another. And the difference maker was no kind of self-help plan. It was not some really cool kind of experience that we had. It was we met the one. Mm. We met Jesus and we have not recovered from that encounter. And we are transformed. We now see who we are and why we exist and that we're loved by the Most High God. And we are found in Christ, washed by his blood and made new creations. And still have a long way to go. And a long way to go. And that's the the journey of the Christian, not to presume that we're perfect, but that we're forgiven and that we have one who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf, and now gives us the opportunity to know the Father, to walk every day with him, empowered by his spirit, and we get to enjoy fellowship with the Lord because of he has made that way possible. So if you listen to this podcast, and that's not something that you wrestle with certain barriers, whether it's you're just not sure you can believe this whole thing because there's some intellectual things. Maybe you're you're like, well, what about science on this or this or this or this seems inconsistent here. Maybe it's a you've been wounded by Christians. Yes. Maybe it's a, man, some of the, the meanest people have been the Christians I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's a deep in your heart, you don't want to give up your lifestyle and you know that submitting to Christ means giving up the things that what you think are giving you some sort of contentment. I just want to challenge you on all of those barriers. He can overcome those. Whatever you think is bringing you fulfillment and happiness outside of him doesn't even compare. That if there are somehow some intellectual inconsistencies, there are... There are things about God that are beyond our understanding. His ways are higher than our ways, and I assure you, I've seen that bear out in my life time and time again. And let me say, if there are intellectual inconsistencies that you see in the Bible, Chad and I would love to do a podcast yeah. about your question. Yeah, just write that question in, and we'll we wrestle with that. We'd love to wrestle with right that. Here. Seriously, there's nothing in here that we think contradicts itself or that contradicts science or that creates some kind of in- intellectual inconsistency. Yeah. And if you find that question, we're not afraid to dig with you and wrestle that with you. Amen. Yeah, we'll do it. And if And if... You have been wounded by believers, by Christians, people that say they love Jesus, but they don't act lovingly. You're not alone. And um, 
And I want to say that that does not reflect who he is. Yeah. No, we'll always be let down by man. Yeah. But not by God. Yeah. And there's so much freedom. You'll, you, you might think you're free in whatever you're battling with in your life right now, but there's, there's so much freedom in, in the freedom of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you guys for being with me. I look forward to doing this again. This was an absolute treat. And I think we gave you some, some fair space I to think talk. So. It was good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You even started out and you said, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. You guys are just so good. I just want to sit here and listen to y'all talk <laughs> <Gosh>. all day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you guys for being with me thank you buddy love you man thank everybody you. out there go take and read yes. for yourself if you want to email uh, like Granger was talking about email take and read podcast at gmail.com love the questions run out by a hat you can go get that at 22beans.com we thank you for 22beans their support and uh, yeah thanks for joining us thank you